over the last couple of weeks. Well starting, well, starting a couple of months ago, we started this series called the Word and Spirit series. And we uh, basically, it's do we, need, um, do we need the Holy Spirit in our lives? And the answer to that, of course, is yes. Uh, how much do we need the Holy Spirit in our lives? The answer to that is 100%. Okay? Do we need the Word of God in our lives? Absolutely, 100%. Do we need both of those working together perfectly in our lives? Absolutely. So that's what this series is all about. Let's not err on the fact that, that some of us or some you know, Christians over the years have, have desired the Holy Spirit to the point where they've just ignored the Word of God. I just need something new and fresh from the Holy Spirit all the time, so let me just ignore this. That's wrong. But, but let's also not go over here and go, well, in order to protect myself, I'm just going to read the Bible and I'm never going to really pursue the Holy Spirit. That's wrong. We need both of those things. The Holy Spirit wrote the Word of God. Um, and so that's what this series has been all about. I've been challenged every week, it seems like, the Lord's challenging me, <clears throat> and um, hopefully you, <clears throat> excuse me, you as well have been challenged. Now, two weeks ago, we started kind of like a mini-series within this series, and we're, we're talking about the gifts of the Spirit, and we, we said uh, two weeks ago that the whole, the, the Gifts of the Spirit are sovereignly given by God to the body of Christ so that those gifts can be used to edify and lift up and build up the body of Christ. Some of us may have multiple gifts of the Spirit. Others of us may have just one. I think probably that's rare. I think most of us have multiple gifts, although... Um, it's quite possible that some of us have not discovered what those gifts are yet. They have not been, I'll use a fancy word, they have not been manifested in our lives yet. <clears throat> some gifts, um, excuse me for a second. <clears throat> some gifts may flourish just once in our lives and then we never use them again, but much more common is that when the Holy Spirit gives us a gift, it grows in an ongoing manner in our lives to where we use that um, repeatedly uh, for the glory of God and to build up the body of Christ. Now, Scripture makes it very, very clear, 1 Corinthians 12, 31, and also 1 Corinthians 14, 1, makes it very clear that we are to earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. We talked about that word earnestly, and basically at the heart of it, it means that we need to zealously desire the gifts. It means that, that, um, that we desperately want the gifts in our lives. We earnestly desire them. And um, so two weeks ago, we asked and partially answered a question because it's a very loaded question, and that is, we know we're to desire the gifts, but why? Why do we want the spiritual gifts in our lives? We asked that question, and if anybody remember the answers that we gave, I know it was two weeks ago, whoa, long time. What, why do we want the spiritual gifts in our life? Anybody remember anything? There were good reasons and there were wrong reasons. Do you remember that? Some of the good reasons were to bring glory to God. 
And I, and I remember saying, like, if that's the only reason that we have for desiring the gifts, that one would be good enough, right? That we want to bring glory to God. Whatever we do, whether we eat or drink or whatever we do, let us bring glory to God, okay? Um, we also said um, not only should we bring glory to God with our gifts, but we should use our gifts for the common good. We should use our gifts to build up and edify the body of Christ. So those are the good reasons. We also looked at some wrong reasons, which are really the opposites of what we just said. It's, it, we don't want to pursue the gifts only to bring glory to ourselves, right? Never. We don't, wanna, we don't want the gifts just so that people can go, wow, Mark, he is such a gifted teacher. And I'm like, yeah, I really am. And that's why I want the gift. That's ridiculous. Like, none of us would actually say that out loud, but do we actually think that in our hearts? Sometimes. We've got to be really careful about that. We don't want to bring attention to ourselves. We don't also want the gifts only for the purpose of seeking miracles all the time. Um, that's not a good reason. Um, we actually sang that. It was really cool how we, God brought that song for us to sing today. That uh, sometimes we, we, we want to turn the attention away from ourselves. And sometimes we want to, um, we, instead of wanting to let the Holy Spirit control us, we want to control the Holy Spirit, and that's just a wrong reason to pursue the gifts. Now, who are we to think we can control the Almighty God? And so those are some of the reasons why. So that was the why. Last week, just quickly review, we looked at the what. What are the gifts? And I, I remember listing, if you remember, there's four or five places, depending on uh, your, your, your thinking, that... that our spiritual gifts are listed throughout the New Testament. And there's a whole lot of gifts that we did not look at last week. We just looked at seven of nine gifts uh, from 1 Corinthians 12. And, um, but there's other lists. There's other gifts that we didn't look at. Uh, but we looked at seven of nine last week. Um, and these gifts are used for the common good. So why do we pursue the gifts? We talked about that. What are the gifts? We talked about that. In part, last week we made it through only seven. So today we're going to finish that. We're going to talk about the last two, the uh, potentially the most um, controversial of all the gifts. Saved them for today. So glad you came back to hear it. And um, and then after we talk about those last two gifts, we're going to get we're going to try to get at least we're going to get practical. Okay. So we said, why do we want the gifts? Right reasons, wrong reasons. What are the gifts? We talked about some of them, not all of them. And then today, we're going to talk about the how. If you want them, uh, and you have the right motivations for them, and you know what they are, how can we have them in our lives? How can we get more of them in our lives? So we're going to get practical on that, and we're going to close up today with that. You guys ready? I feel like I'm that... Remember that guy in the 80s that had that commercial? Did he talk really fast? I feel like that's where I was for a minute there. Okay, slow down a minute. All right, so you guys with me? Let's go to 1 Corinthians 12, and we're going to talk about the last couple gifts here. Let's just read again. I think it's appropriate. 1 Corinthians 12, 7. A manifestation of the Spirit is given to each person for the common good. Okay, that's the Why? And here's the what. To one is given a message of wisdom through the Spirit. To another, a message of knowledge by the same Spirit. To another, faith 
by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the performing of miracles, to another prophecy, and to the another to another distinguishing between spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another interpretation of tongues. One and the same Spirit is active in all these, distributing to each person as He wills. Okay, so that's where we, that's our passage. We started last week. We're going to finish it up today with gift number eight on the list, and that is the different kinds of tongues. Um, I said, I think I mentioned this last week, that this is probably the most controversial of the gifts, but it does not have to be. Um, doesn't have to be. I think it gets some bad stigma associated because. Like always, the Holy Spirit has something really good and He offers it to the church and then people, we just mess it up by making all, making all these rules that God never intended us to make. And I think that's what's happened over the years with the gift of tongues. But when you take it and you just look at it, um, there's, there's really nothing controversial at all about it. So let's, let's talk a little about it. Let's explain a little bit about what we're talking about and then we will uh, we'll get a little practical. By the way, I'll just say this, that the last two on the list, um, the, the gift of speaking in tongues, speaking in different kinds of tongues, and the, and the gift of interpretation of the tongues must go together. If you're going to have one in the... Now, we're talking about gifts within the body of Christ, right? So if, we're, if you have one of those, you must have both of them. They have to go together. And we'll talk about that a little bit more as we go on. Okay, so... The gift of speaking in tongues, um, basic definition of this is it's speaking supernaturally in a language not known to the individual. Okay, that's the basic definition of it. The Greek word here is the word glossa. It, what, and and um, you may recognize that word. It's one that kind of comes into the English language a little bit. That word literally means either language or it means actually tongue, the actual, like, this thing I hit, right? <laughs> and it can mean one or the other, that. Or it could mean, what's, I can't, like, metaphorically at least, when somebody says, I speak in a language, they might say, I speak in a tongue. Like, I might, I might speak in the Russian tongue, okay? That, that could be referring to language. So that's kind of the definition. Um, and also, you'll notice, even in the English, you can see this, that the word here is plural, this phrase here is plural. It says different kinds of tongues. It's a plural word there, meaning there's different languages. Okay, some, and there's a couple of ways we can interpret that. Um, here's, there's actually three possibilities with the um, interpretation of this phrase, different kinds of tongues. And I'm just going to give them to you. And I think all three of these apply within the body of Christ None of these are wrong. I think these are just three ways in which this gift manifests itself in the body of Christ. Um, all of these are supernatural because why? They're all from the Spirit. All right. Okay, so here's, um, here's the three possibilities um, that we can kind of interpret this phrase different kind of tongues. The first one is it's a person who speaks in a known language. Um, like somebody who does not know how to speak in, just pick a language, Hebrew, let's say. You don't know how to speak Hebrew, but 
all of a sudden, supernaturally, you find yourself speaking Hebrew. That is one possibility of how this is used in the Scripture. Um, at least a known language to someone on earth. That's what we're talking about. This is what happened, if you remember, in Acts chapter 2. The day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came down. It says they immediately began to speak in tongues. They were speaking in, in other languages that, that people that were there heard the language and they understood the language. They said, I, I'm understanding. They're speaking my language, right? Like, they were not, they were, the, the men at the day of Pentecost and the women both that were there were mainly Jewish people, but the people that they were speaking to were a mixed group of people. Not just Jewish people, but people from all over um, the, the place and speaking all different languages they came. So that's the first possibility, right? When we speak in tongues, a person speaks in tongues, it may be a known language, at least a known language on earth. Um, and I, I love that, uh, that miracle there. It was like a double miracle. Not only did somebody miraculously speak in a language they didn't know how to speak in, but what? Somebody else heard that language and they were able to, I just I love it, like a double miracle right from the beginning. Okay, so that's the first one. The second way we can interpret this phrase, different kind of tongues, is it could be also a unique or even unknown human language. Okay? Meaning that nobody understands that language. Nobody speaks that language on earth. It's an unknown language. This is what, if you just were to flip over to the two chapters, to 1 Corinthians 14, verse 2, that's what's talking about here. I'll read it. For the person who speaks in another tongue is not speaking to people, but what? To God. Since no one understands Him, He speaks mysteries in the Spirit. So that's another way, right from the Word of God, yeah? You see it? There's another way that this can be interpreted is that it's a, it's a, it's a language nobody knows. Okay? Nobody but God knows that language. Okay, that's possible. Second way to interpret that. The third way that we can interpret this phrase, different kind of tongues, is that it could be an angelic or a heavenly language. Okay? So um, the, the difference between two and three is that um, the second one, it seems to me that only God understands that language. This third one would include maybe angels. Might, might be the tongue. Some of you, you might have heard this phrase, speak with the tongue of men and angels. That's from 1 Corinthians 13, verse 1. Look at that. If I speak human or angelic tongues, but do not have love. And he goes on and talks about love. So it, that's the third possibility. So it can be a known language. It can be a language unknown to anybody except God. Or thirdly, it could be a language that is an angelic, or some call it a heavenly language. Those are the three possibilities. Now, there's been a lot of discussion over the years and... Um, with regards to this third one about whether the person who speaks in angelic language experiences exactly what happened to those disciples on the day of Pentecost. People wonder if those are the same things. Were the people, were the, in other words, were the people on the day of Pentecost speaking in this angelic tongue and the Holy Spirit just did this double miracle like they let other people hear it in their own language or were they different things? Um, 
I tend to think, and this is just my opinion, all right? I, I, I can give it to you and you can do with it what you want. I, I think they tend to be different. I see them as different things because I think that this angelic tongue is always a case of speaking that when nobody, no human being is going to understand it. Um, and although the tongue's uh, gift and phenomenon began at Pentecost, no doubt, it would not seem to me that praying in the Spirit, which is done privately, and, and speaking publicly in gifts, in, or excuse me, speaking publicly in, with the gift of tongues, I don't think those are the same thing. I think that praying privately... Um, whether it's an unknown language or an angelic language, and speaking publicly with the gift of tongues, I think they're different things. I think Scripture, it's not just my opinion, I think Scripture tells us that they're different things. Um, one more note before we move on here is that there are certain groups of people, and um, I'll just say there's certain groups of Pentecostals or even Charismatics who... By the way, those are not denominations. It's not like Baptist, Presbyterian, Episcopalian, Pentecostal. It, Pre Pentecostal or Charismatic, that's not a denomination as much as it is a belief system, a group of, uh, you know, a, a belief that has been brought together. Somebody believes in certain things, and so they're given a tag of Pentecostal. But Pentecostals can be in a Baptist church. They can be in a Presbyterian. They can be in this church. So it's not a denomination as much as just what you believe. But there are groups of people that would maybe th would label themselves or other people would label them as Pentecostal who would say that um, if you do not speak in tongues, you have not truly been baptized in the Holy Spirit. In other words, the baptism of the Holy Spirit will always, 100% of the time, manifest or demonstrate itself by speaking in tongues. Um, they actually have a um, doctrinal statement that you can find, and it's, I'll read part of it. It says this, the initial physical evidence of the baptism with the Holy Spirit is speaking with other tongues. That's actually kind of one of their doctrinal statements. And I just wanted to uh, say this. I, um, I, don't, I don't think that's biblically 100% accurate. I hate, I hate to use the word I disagree because... Like, who am I? I could be absolutely wrong. I just, I believe that um, um, the evidence of Scripture says that being baptized with the Holy Spirit, which we're going to talk about in a few minutes, um, is demonstrated not just in the speaking of tongues, but it's demonstrated in all of the spiritual gifts. So, um, the reason I... I, I say that is two reasons. One, because I think that's what Scripture teaches, and that's important. But secondly, I, I think I also see it from my own experiences, because I, I believe I've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, and I've never spoken in tongues, personally. So either one of two possibilities, right? Either I've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, or you don't have to speak in tongues after being baptized in the Holy Spirit. So I, I kind of think I want to take that route, because I want to believe that I've been baptized with the Holy Spirit. Okay, so that was, again, a little bit of my opinion mixed with um, what I really do think Scripture teaches. But again, I, I don't want to come judgmental on people either because I know it's a tricky 
um, a tricky issue. Okay. Okay. So with that said, and since all the gifts are operational in the church, um, I think any one of them can can be a sign of the baptism with the Holy Spirit. I guess that's all I'm saying. Um, in this way, um, every single one of us are charismatics. You guys know that? Because the word, you guys know the word for um, gifts is the word charisma. So in a, if we have any of the gifts, which we've already firmly established that each of us have at least one of them, if not multiple, then we are all charismatics because we all have the grace gifts, right? So whatever a person believes about tongues, <clears throat> and you may, you may disagree with everything I just said, and I'll be honest, that's okay. Like, I don't care. Like, it's not something that has to divide us. It's not something that's going to keep any of us out of heaven, friends. Um, so you could disagree with what I, everything I just said, but whatever, whatever, wherever you come down on the gift of speaking in tongues, one thing is absolutely clear, and I believe we all have to agree on this, is that the public speaking of tongues must always be accompanied with the interpretation of the tongue. Now, I'm, what I'm not talking about is if you pray in tongue in, a, in your private prayer time, you're, you're alone, as Scripture says, you're alone in your closet, right? You're by yourself. You're, you're spending time with the Lord. You're reading the Word. You're praying. And the Holy Spirit brings a tongue for your private prayer. That's fine. No interpretation needed there. But what we are talking about here is when there's a public display of speaking in tongues within the body of Christ. Because remember, what's the main purpose for, for all the spiritual gifts? Tell me out loud. What is it? Building up the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians 14, Paul goes out of his way to say that there's, if somebody speaks in tongues publicly in the church, that does not build up the body of Christ unless what? There's an interpretation, gift number nine. That's why I say they all have to go together. Um, now, here's something important. Paul does not say this gift is called the translation of tongues. He says it's what? Interpretation of tongues. Big difference there. Don't, I think some people think he said translation of tongues. That's not what he said. Um, there's a big difference. Let me explain. Um, translation would mean a word-for-word Translation, right? Like, like when Scripture, like originally written in Greek, and then godly people would take the Greek and they would translate it word for word into English, and so we have our Bible, right? So that's translation. Um, interpretation, though, is not a word for word. Uh, it is more of conveying the message of the Holy Spirit. So this gift, interpretation of tongues, implies that there is what? An interpretation of every time a tongue is spoken. That's what he's, that's what he's implying here, right? So if somebody's speaking in tongues, what's the implication? There is and will be and must be an interpretation of that tongue. And they both come from the Holy Spirit. They're both supernatural. We may not completely understand it, and that's okay, because who can fully understand the mind of God anyways, right? So in other words, speaking in tongues is not meaningless. So before you just eject it and go like, I don't need that gift, 
I don't understand it. I don't want it. It makes me uncomfortable, so I'm just going to throw it away. Before you do that, I would caution you to be careful about throwing away that something that the Holy Spirit thinks is important. Um, so some people are enabled to speak in tongues. Other people are enabled to interpret what is being said. And as we read Scripture, especially 1 Corinthians 14, the implication is that these are different people. So one person, um, uh, Paul strongly encourages, especially the Corinthians here, um, when, when the church comes together, they're gathering together, and visitors would come. He strongly warned them not to speak in tongues because then they would have no clue about what is being said. And how could that edify the body of Christ if nobody knows what's being said? That's Paul's point in 1 Corinthians 14. That's just a quick summary. Go back and read it yourself and make sure I'm right on that. Um, please. The problem often encountered is when people give their own interpretation of the message of tongues that they themselves just uttered. And, and Paul had a lot to say about that in, in chapter 14. And, and this is not biblical. I'm just going to say it. It's not biblical when the same person gives their own interpretation. It lacks credibility. Why is that, practically speaking? Why is that? You could say whatever you want, right? But if it's truly a supernatural utterance of the Holy Spirit there will be a supernatural interpretation of that utterance. Um, the, I, I think we're not just, I don't want to keep picking, picking on speaking in tongues at all. It, like it, it could be speaking in tongues, it could be prophecy, it could be a word of knowledge, it could be healing, like all these gifts we've been looking at. I, I think the, we have to be careful that in our zealousness to see the Holy Spirit at work, that we don't try to make things happen that the Holy Spirit never wanted to happen. Um, like to prove somebody is healed when they weren't really healed. Um, uttering prophecies that never come true and then maybe speaking in tongue without or maybe with our own interpretation. All those grieve the Holy Spirit and they should not be done. All these gifts are needed, yes. All of them are important, yes. But there is a proper order in which they need to be manifested in the body of Christ. Okay, so a lot of that was based on Scripture. Some of that was my opinion. And um, so take, take the Scripture to heart. You could take my opinion and throw it away if you want. It's okay. But, but what I would encourage us to do before we throw out, pick any of these gifts and just throw them out and say, I don't have that gift. I don't want that gift. It makes me super uncomfortable. Um, before we do that, I would caution us to say, look, um, if, if, the, if the Lord thinks these are important, shouldn't I also think these are important? And, and maybe at least give the Lord an opportunity to, um, to bring that gift into our lives. And if it's not into your life, he may very well bring it into the body of Christ. And um, so let's not, let's not shun any of these gifts, any of the nine, or any of the other ones that we didn't spend time looking at. They're all important. 
as long as they're being used properly for the edification, building up of the body of Christ, and to bring glory to God. You guys with me? Let's get practical now, okay? So those are the nine gifts. Those are the, the, the ones at least we talked about. There's, like I said, plenty of other ones. But now here's three ways, and this is certainly not an exhaustive list, because as, even as I turn in my sermon notes on Wednesday, so Grace can print them and put them in the bulletin, but even out between Wednesday and today, I, other things popped into my mind of like, oh, I should have put that in there. That's a good one. But um, <clears throat> I didn't, and it's already, like, time's already gone away, so I, I don't have time for more anyways. But, so I just want to give us three, and that's a good preaching number, right? Three, hey, hey, we like three. So I'm going to give us three ways in which we can pursue the gifts. How can we have more of the Holy Spirit and His power and how can we have more of his gifts in our lives? And, and if you don't want them, just tune out. For the ne- take a little nap for the next 20 minutes, 15 minutes. But if you're interested, and if you're sit- seriously sitting here and going, man, I've, all, I've always wondered. I want the gifts, I just don't see them. How can I get them? Well, here's just three practical. I try to make these as practical as possible. Uh, so that we could actually, you know, maybe go do, go do some of these things and see, see what God might do in us. Okay, are you with me? You guys ready for these? All right, and these are not exhaustive, like I said, and, and um, so come, if, maybe you can come up with your own list as well. Okay, here's the first one. It is receive, I already mentioned this, receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And you're like, wait a minute. I'm already saved. Don't I have the Holy Spirit in me? Well, if you're saved, the answer to that question is absolutely yes. You have the Holy Spirit in you. That's not exactly what I'm talking about here when I say receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Uh, what I am more talking about is, well, let me, you know, instead of me giving my opinion, let's go to Scripture and uh, I'll give us some examples of what we're talking about here. In Acts chapter 8, Peter and John... Had come, was I think it was Philip, the evangelist, had gone down to an area called Samaria, and he was ministering to, um, to the Samaritans, to people, unbelievers, people that didn't know the Lord. And it, uh, they began to receive the word of God. In Acts chapter 8, um, the Lord sent Peter and John, two of the apostles, up to Samaria to see what was going on. And so when they got there, they, they discovered that there was all these brand new believers there. They believed the, the gospel. The, Philip was preaching the gospel. They believed the gospel, and they were saved. And, and so then Peter and John went up there so that they might receive the Holy Spirit. So, so it seems to be that those are two different events. One, they got saved, and yeah, the Holy Spirit entered into their lives. Uh, they were sealed they, you know, they, uh, to say it maybe crudely, they punched their ticket to heaven, right? They, they were fully saved. Uh, and yet, there was a different event in which they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's not the only example. Acts chapter 19. Uh, Paul goes to uh, the believers in Ephesus. And they had, this was the, now a church had been established by Paul. These were actually believers. Um, and he went there and um, in Acts chapter 19, and the first thing he asked them when he got there was like, 
hey guys, how's it going? What'd you have for lunch today? No, right? The first thing he said, hey, um, can you give me your personal testimony? How Jesus saved you? No, it's not what he asked. The first thing he asked when he got there, not that those that, that your testimony is not an important thing, it certainly is, but the first thing he asked when he got there was, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believe? So to Paul, it was a super important question, right? Um, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believe? So I'll just throw that out here to us. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believe? Well, you received him in the, in the sense of permanence, but did you receive him... In the, in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. There should be, it seems like Scripture makes it clear that there should be an urgency in answering this question. So let me just give us quickly a few ways in which you can answer this question. If you're sitting here going, I don't know. Have I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit? I'm not sure if I have or not. Let me give you us including myself, let's, let me give us some practical ways here. So uh, first, um, how do we know we've received the baptism of the Holy Spirit? First, we must be a follower of Jesus. So ask yourself, am I a follower, am I a believer of Jesus? Have I believed the gospel message? If the answer to that question is yes, then you're on your way. Um, in John chapter 14, let me read a couple of verses, verse 16 and 17. This is Jesus talking. He says, and, and I will ask the Father, and He will give you another Counselor to be with you forever. Who's the Counselor? Holy Spirit. He's, he is a Spirit of truth, Jesus said. The, word is, the world is unable to receive Him because it doesn't see Him or know Him. But you do know Him because He remains with you and will be with you. What does that tell us? That if, you're an, if a person is an unbeliever, they do not have the Holy Spirit. They're unable to receive Him. But when we are a believer in Jesus, we receive the Holy Spirit. So first, have I been baptized with the Spirit? Well, if you believe in Jesus, that's the first fundamental step. Secondly, we must ask the Father. A few weeks ago, if you were here, <clears throat> uh, John Scribner got up and spoke, and he spoke primarily out of, uh, well, he gave a variety of scriptures, but one of them he brought out was in Luke chapter 11, verse 13. I don't know if you remember him saying this. He said, if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? So right from the words of Jesus, if we want the Holy Spirit as we're talking about here, not the Holy Spirit that's, that comes in our lives when we get saved, not that there are different spirits, different manifestation of the Spirit, then right from Jesus' words, we need to ask the Father for Him. And then there's a third step. So if you believe in Jesus and you want the Holy Spirit, ask Him for it. He'll never turn you down. He's a good, good Father. And then thirdly, we must have faith. And here's where it gets a little bit trickier for a lot of us. In Galatians chapter 3, Paul says this. He says, Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by hearing of faith? 
Again, he says, a couple of verses later, he says that we might receive the promise of the Holy Spirit through faith. So if we want to receive the baptism of the Spirit, we need to believe in Jesus. We need to ask the Father for him. And we need to believe by faith that he will give it to us. Okay, so the first way in which we can pursue the gifts of the Spirit is we need to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And it's not as scary as it sounds, as we just talked about. Secondly, okay, even a little bit even more practical than that, how can we receive uh, and walk in and pursue the spiritual gifts? Well, we need to develop a personal and an intimate relationship with the God of love. And you may think, well, that's a no-brainer. And I say, yeah, I agree. It's a no-brainer. But let me ask a follow-up question. Are we doing that? Are we actively pursuing an intimate relationship with God? We've talked about this before, but seeking the spiritual gifts is not the same thing as seeking God. We sang in a song a few minutes ago, you know, forgive me, Lord, for for coming and just singing another song. Forgive me, Lord, I'm sorry for just seeking, I can't remember the exact word of the song, but this, that's what it reminded me of, just seeking the thing instead of seeking you. There's a difference between that, isn't it? Right? We just want to, a lot of people come to, come to know God and all they want are the stuff that God can give them. And, and so they just go after the, the blessings that God wants to give. And those are not, in and of themselves, they're not wrong. It's not bad to do that. But if we want the stuff God gives us more than we want God himself, we can get into some problems in our, in our walk. And that's what, we want to, that's what we talk about when we talk about an intimate relationship with God. It's not seeking the stuff. It's just seeking him himself. That includes spiritual gifts. So before we walk in our gifts... We must know God and His ways. And that's why the Scripture is so important. And that's why we cannot separate the Holy Spirit from the Holy Word of God. The knowledge that we're talking about here doesn't come from reading lots of books about God. It doesn't doesn't come from going to seminary. It doesn't come from hearing lots of preachers talk about who God is. This knowledge that Scripture talks about comes from seeking God Himself. True knowledge is found in God Himself. It's found in Jesus Christ, and it's found in the Word of God. And the Holy Spirit will bring that to us. Let me give us a Scripture on that. Super important. 2 Peter 1, verses 2 and 3, it says this, May grace and peace be multiplied to you, through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given us everything required for life and godliness. Through the knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. Beautiful couple of verses there. God has given us everything we need to live a godly life. In other words... Intimacy with God, it comes by spending as much time with Him as we can. 
So that's one of the reasons why we set a whole week aside uh, in this time of year to consecrate ourselves to the Lord. Because I know how hard it is throughout the year to, to, um, to not spend the time we should be spending with Him. It's easy to get distracted. That's why I strongly encourage you, come as much as you can and be part of this. I think God is about to do something that we've never experienced as a church before. And I'm not just saying that. I think we're on the verge of being um, seeking after His Word with all our heart and seeking after His Spirit with all our heart. I think He's about to, uh, to do something really amazing. Not, and I'm not just talking about this, all us. I'm talking about the church. I'm talking about Paso Robles. I'm talking about Atascadero and Templeton. I'm talking about our area. I, I really believe that. God's about to do something, and I want to be part of it for His glory, for the building up of His body. So the more we get to know God, the more we're going to find ourselves amazed at the fact that we get to believe in a God like Him. And the more we get to know God, the more we're going to walk in His power. And with God's power comes this gift of the Spirit, so, nothing will ever compare to the value of our ability to know God, to have an intimate, personal relationship with Jesus Christ. So, the more we develop this relationship, and it's not, look, it's not just going to happen. <laughs> it's not just going to magically happen and we're going to walk with, it takes work. Just like any relationship we build with a spouse or a parent or a child or a friend, it takes effort on our part to work on our relationship. And as we do that, as we develop this relationship with Him, the more we're going to desire His Spirit in our lives and the more we're going to desire the gifts in our lives that are available to us. And the more we're going to be equipped by faith to walk in love to those around us. And here's the third reason. If we want to pursue the spiritual gifts, I kind of already talked about this, but it's important enough to say it again, is that we need to take action by faith. Have you ever heard of the phrase, and I know you have, practice makes perfect? You ever heard of that one? All right, so you can apply that to a variety of areas of life and people have. If you want to be an athlete, um, if you want to make it to the major league someday, you're not going to do it by, um, by, by playing baseball once a week. You're going you're gonna to play it every day, and you're going to play it for hours and hours and hours and every day. If you want to make it to the Olympics someday, you're going to train yourself every single day. right? So we know that in the, in the world of sports, we know it's true. If you want to... Um, if you want to learn how to uh, do, if you're just starting out in school and if you want to learn how to speak Spanish, you don't know how to speak Spanish, you want to learn how to speak Spanish, right? you're taking that in school, well, you're not going to learn it by studying it once a week. You're going to study it every day. You're going to go to class. You're going to memorize. You're going to do all these things. So we understand it in sports. We understand it in learning and languages. Um, but do we understand it in our spiritual life? Practice makes perfect. Do we understand it in terms of spiritual gifts? Practice makes perfect. If we have been given a spiritual gift, but we neglect 
to practice it. We neglect to take action. We neglect to walk in it. Then, then what's going to happen? We'd be like Christopher, construction guy, who has a whole truckload of tools, and he has maybe you wear it. Do you wear a tool belt? Like, yeah. So you wear a tool belt, and you put all the essential tools you need for the day, and then he goes home and sits on the couch and doesn't work. That's ridiculous, right? Um, but it's equally ridiculous for us who have been, our tool belts have been loaded with these gifts and this fruit and, this, and, and, the, and the presence of the Spirit, and then we just go sit on our couch and we don't do anything about it. That's equally ridiculous. If, if the Holy Spirit's equipped us, loaded us up with these gifts, we better get out there and use them and do them and practice them. And yes, even if we get them wrong once in a while, that's okay. There's grace for that. Like, when I started preaching years ago, I was not a great preacher. And some of you are like, well, you're still not a really great preacher. <laughs> but, <laughs> just joke. But look, but, um, but I had to learn, right? I had to learn this, this skill. Have I been given the spiritual gift of teaching? I think so, because other people have confirmed that in me, and I've seen it, and I don't say that in pride at all. It's just, but but I've, I've learned to develop that gift. You see what I'm saying? If you've been given a gift, one of those we've talked about in, this, in, in the list, in first, or another gift, and you're not using it to edify and lift up the body of Christ, why do you have the gift at all? Practice makes perfect. Um, do you have time for a quick story? Okay, in Matthew chapter 25, it's not my story, it's Jesus' story. So that's even more worth it. Um, in Matthew 25, there's a story Jesus tells about, it's called, often called the parable of the talents. And here's the, here's the story, I'll just summarize it. It's a long one, so I'll just summarize it. Jesus tells a story, he, um, there's this um, master who's going to go away on a journey. And so while he's away on a journey, he, he, there's several servants come to him, and he gives certain servants certain talents. A talent is a, for, a denomination of currency used in that period of time. So he gives them, one, he gives them five talents. Another one, he gives two talents. And another one, he gives one talent. Okay, he, this, in, in this story, Jesus says he did this uh, in relation to uh, their ability demonstrated by the servants. Okay, so the, in other words, the one who got five had demonstrated greater ability than the one who got one. Okay, that, that's just what Jesus said. Okay, so they all have their talents. So the master leaves and goes off on the journey. He comes back, um, and when he, gets, when he gets back, he asks the servants, what did you do with the talents that I gave you? And the one who had five said, well, I got five more. And, and he said, well done. And then the one who had two, he, I got two more. He said, well done. And then the one who had one, he said, you know, I know you're harsh, and I didn't want to lose even that one. And so I went and I, remember what he did? He buried it, right? And, and so, it did, and so I, I apparently he went and dug it up. And he's like, here, I still have the one you gave me. I didn't lose it at least. And do you remember what he said to that one? He was a little disappointed. What's the point of this? Not just about money. This applies to money, but it applies to so much else. It's like Jesus is like, I'm going to give you a, a gift. 
Okay, and then what you do with that gift is up to you, right? That's what it sounds like from this, this parable. So if, what do you, this is a little speculation, but what do you think would have happened? He gave, he gave somebody five talents, and what if that guy would have went out and he would have put all his effort and he would have been trying to multiply that and been a good steward and do all that, but what if he would have lost those five talents? And the master came back and he says, I gave you five, what happened? And the guy says, Master, I, I really went out and I tried and I, and, I, and I put my effort into it and I wanted to gain it, but I just lost it. I lost it. What do you think the master would have said to that guy? Just speculation, but knowing the heart of Jesus, what do you think? What do you, what do you have said, I'm so disappointed in you? Or what do you have said, well, well done? Good effort. Let me, yeah, that's exactly it. I was just, you took the words out of my mouth. Here's 10 more. Here's 50 more. Go do something with that. Why did he give him five in the beginning? Because he knew he was a faithful man. Or, and, and I just think that's the point of this story when it comes to spiritual gifts. Jesus has given them to all of us. Yet practice makes perfect. So let's not be afraid to go out and walk in the gifts that he's given to us. Even if we blow it. Even if we don't get it right. Even if years ago I've said something that was maybe untrue, even if I had a good heart, but I said something untrue in my teaching, does that make me a false teacher? No, it just makes me a good-hearted teacher who said something wrong. So if you have the gift of prophecy or speaking in tongue or healing, and you're not practicing it, if you're not walking in it, if you have the gift of giving or hospitality or, or uh, teaching or speaking or leadership, and you're never walking in those gifts... Well, that's when Jesus is going to maybe look at us and go, kind of disappointed in you. And none of us want Jesus to be disappointed in us. All right, I'll just close right here with this. Don't be quick to say that I don't have a certain gift. Remember that the Holy Spirit manifests the gifts, sovereignly chooses which gifts he gives to which people. And we may not have discovered that we have a gift yet. He may just be waiting for just the right time like Esther to put us in just the right situation at just the right time to give us the right um, opportunity to use that gift. So, So let's not say we don't have it. Let's at least have faith enough to um, consider that it might be part of our lives and let's not be afraid to practice practice it, right? And it will lead us into that faith. It will lead us into that intimacy. It will lead us into that receiving of all that the Lord has for us. Let's pray together. Father, I love you. and I just... I hope that... Lord, I honored you today and these past few weeks by what we've been talking about with spiritual gifts. I I just pray that your word will go forth in in a powerful way. That the scripture that we looked at will be pushed deep down into our minds and hearts. That we will not just walk out of here and 
like that man who looked into the mirror and then walked away and immediately forgot what you looked like. I pray that we would be doers of your word, not hearers only. I pray that now that we have been taught these things from your word and from your spirit, that we would be bold enough to go out and walk in them and to practice them, to build up the body of Christ, to edify your church for the common good for the building of your kingdom until Jesus, you come back someday to take us into heaven. And even if that day's today, I pray that we will work until you come back. Father, I just also want to pray practically for a minute that these gifts can be divisive. I think, I know I've seen it. I've seen it in the churches that I've been in over the years. I've seen it in this church. And we do not want division in this church, Jesus. Not over something like spiritual gifts. So I would pray, Father, that there would be a unity among us as hearers today. That there would be a unity among us as those who have heard and received this message. That there would be a unity in our hearts and our minds Even if there's a disagreement on the interpretation of these things, I still pray that there would be a unity. We all here, if we are believers, have have come to know you as our Savior, and we all will get to be in heaven together someday, and this this issue of gifts should not be one that divides us. And I want to extend that prayer not only to those that are sitting in this room, but to all the churches in our community. That there's, there's people in, in all these buildings meeting right now that maybe believe slightly different things about the gifts. I, I still want to pray for unity among us all. That we would not let something like this divide us. And more importantly, that we will see others as the completion of the building up of the body of Christ. Like, we may not have that gift, but somebody else does, and we should be grateful, and we should praise other believers for that. And so we pray that there would be unity in all things, including these things that, um, that maybe we still need to grow in. So Lord, I pray you'll protect our minds and our hearts in Christ Jesus. Amen.